I'm Lige. I'm Kohana. And, and this, this is Straight Ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Ahead. We're so sorry for the delay. Uh, we had to take a brief hiatus to get a handle on the chaos of the last couple of weeks. I'm officially a college graduate, which is super relieving. Um, and though taking my first baby steps out into the world as a non-student has been pretty harrowing, uh, graduating in your living room really is a way of blunting the ceremony of it all. Lots of mixed feelings, to say the least, but very happy to be back on here. I think I can definitely relate to the mixed feelings of a pandemic graduation, but I'm sure everyone listening, myself included, is incredibly proud of you for making it through the last year. We're going to be releasing one episode a week for the next few weeks to make up for the deficit. We've got some really fun things planned, so stay tuned. The episode you're about to hear takes on a very different format than our previous episodes. Uh, Instead of having just the one standard interview, this episode is two, back to back. This week, we sat down with the brains behind Hellavision Television and Malt Adult, two animation screenings that have done wonders for building the community and inspiring people from all walks of life to try their hand at the art form. Make sure to hang around after we would normally take a break toward the end of the episode, because you're actually only halfway. Um, we'll start with our interview with Hellavision, take a break, uh, and then come back to speak with Malt Adult. But let's get started. Would the Hellavision guys like to introduce yourselves? Michael, do you? Do you... Start? No. Oh. oh, no, you. No, you start. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, my name is Peter Steinick. I am a motion designer, animator, designer person, illustrator out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, I don't. Michael, you introduce yourself and then we I know. Can talk I'll about introduce and then you got the whole Hellovision spiel you can kick off. Uh, I'm Michael Swearingen, uh, motion designer based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I co run Hellovision with Peter Steinick. Do you want me to try to summarize Hellovision? I can try and then you yeah, can try. Yeah, you, you try it. Hellovision Television Network is like a community um, kind of circling around a biannual animation show. We provide a platform that's uh, as inclusive as we can get, where we send out a theme and we do not curate submissions. So it's a opportunity for artists to create work, cut corners uh, on a short deadline for fun, and you get creative work from from the most experienced and people trying really hard to just produce their first animation. And so what gets created is like a beautiful anthology of all skills. Um, how was that? That was perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> Great. Nice. I've been submitting to festivals today, so I've been doing description type stuff and I've had to describe Halivision a couple times today. Anything to add to that, Peter? Or oh geez. I don't know. Uh it's 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 a very um rough and tumble project. I think of it like it's on Rails, where I just kind of like create this framework and structure and then and then whatever people give me is what what the project is. So Right. That's that's all it is. Um, so I guess before we really jump 
into Halovision stuff. Uh, could you guys briefly tell us a little bit about like the kind of work you make independently outside of Halovision? Word, Michael, you go. Okay. Um, well, so for like work work, I work with Target Creative and get some contract work from them. They're based in Minneapolis. On top of that, uh, just like freelance, especially with working from home, it's been very nice to be able to kind of have both and, and variate the work. So 3D character animation is like my preference uh, when it comes to my personal freelance work. And then I just recently finished, finished a short film that premiered on Multadult last month. And Ooh. I'm excited to be setting that out and hopefully get into just like one or two festivals here and there. Nice. Is that what you've been like dealing with today? Uh, yeah, I'm just like mostly going for the free ones. Cause like, man, it's wild that some of them just become like 50, $60. It's and insane. It stacks up so fast too. It's so much confidence that you're like, <laughs> well, they're gonna wanna see this. And there's a really good, I got a really, I'm like, I had a lot of fun doing my short film. And of course, I think it's a good thing to look back on it and know that I have improved a lot and I would like to do another one and do it even better. Then maybe I'll, you know, get excited to submit to the $50 <laughs> ones. But. Yeah, I think we can dedicate at some point in the future, like an entire episode on festivals and fest submissions and the politics and of the it disaster. all. disaster. Yeah. Oh boy, so, as soon as you talk to Sarah tomorrow, she'll just, she'll go off on it. She's got <laughs> Ooh, lots yeah, of exactly. that can of worms. That's exciting, actually. Yeah. Um, Peter, what about you? Okay, yeah, I am, uh, I'm mostly a designer. I, I graduated with a degree in design from Minneapolis College of Art and Design in 2012. And uh, yeah, I, I, I worked a couple of years at Urban Outfitters in Philadelphia. And then I came back and just decided that I wanted to start freelancing as a motion designer full time. And uh, that's what I've been doing since. Right. I'm curious, like with that design background, I mean, I think the obvious overlap would be motion graphics, but how you think that relates to your animation work and like what that relationship between design and animation is like for you? Oh, it's, it's all, it's all mixed together. It's right. I teach motion design, um, and I kind of I try to start my class off by explaining that motion design is just animation from a design perspective. And if you think about design as being just communication, visual communication, as as opposed to art, which is I I don't know. Uh, you know, anything. <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of how I perceive the difference between motion design and animation. I'm a, I'm curious about how the two of you met and started this whole thing together. I started Hellovision. Peter started Hellovision. <laughs> in 2017, actually kind of like started thinking about it in 2016 for a while. It was meant to be, the name comes from I, you know, I was just practicing a bunch of different ideas for myself. I was thinking about what it might look like if I started a studio with my friend Lila Burns. And uh, we started making kind of these short animations, just like really 
one-off short animations that are actually at the very bottom, still at the very bottom of the Hellavision Instagram. And uh, so that was in 2016. And then, and then that kind of fizzled out because we both got busy. And, uh, and then I was like, I just, I need some sort of outlet to learn 2D character animation. And um, so, yeah, mo mostly just kind of like sent out an open call saying like, hey, would anyone want to like submit to a thing and I screen it? and it would be weird and interesting and uh that's that's what happened i think while i was talking about that stuff with various people on twitter and instagram i also uh visited a class at uw stout which is wisconsin i don't even know that's where i went to school yeah that's where michael went to school <laughs> So I spoke at this class. Michael wasn't in the class, but uh, a lot of his friends were. Jake Huffcut, I believe, specifically. And Jake then kind of spread the word <laughs> to all the animation people at, at UW-Stout and associated with UW-Stout. And uh, so the first episode has a lot of people who went to that college. So that was really more word of mouth based. Yeah. Cool. I saw it. I actually saw it from Nathan Motzko. Ah. Shout out to Nathan Motzko. He was working on his first submission that actually wasn't in the show. He like kind of backed up on his idea because he was drawing this really cool Gundam. I was like, oh, that's sick. What's that for? And then he told me it was for the television, television animation show. And I was graduated and I was about to start an internship at Adult Swim. So there was like this little period of before I went down, I had like a month or two. And I had, I kind of took a hiatus just because that's what like a college thesis will do to you. Um, so then television popped up and I quick busted something out. And yeah, that's how I heard about it. <laughs> and so Michael, starting off like as a submitter to television, what was the transition process like for like bringing you on board with Peter to help run the show? And what's your role now? Like, how do you guys split up the work? What's all that like? I mean, to summarize and to be blatant, because this is just how it is. I just asked like, and I'm, and I'm being so <laughs> objective because like, that's what we would like. If anybody felt they had something to add to television or wanted to, to help out, like just ask and then like, we'll we'll make something happen and, and we'll kind of get it moving so i remember returning from my internship in atlanta and i saw a man wearing glasses standing very awkwardly amongst a bunch of uh motion motion artists during a networking event and then he points me out and he goes you're michael swearingen and i was like i have no idea who you are <laughs> i wasn't at the first i wasn't at the first um the first event because I was out of town, but then Peter goes, oh, well, I got Peter and I do television and I saw your submission and it was funny. So then uh, I think then like Peter and I just kind of kept in touch from there because I was coming back and I knew I wanted to like, just like be involved in Minneapolis. Peter was involved in Minneapolis. So we kind of became friends from there. I kept submitting. Um, it just felt like 
very ritualistic of like, okay, I'm done with school. I'm trying to do freelance, whatever that looks like, but at least I can like continue to submit things and keep flexing that muscle. And I'd say like what really kind of solidified like that understanding of like, oh, I can really help with television was Peter and I took a, I can't remember if it was coincidental. No, it wasn't really coincidentally. We talked a little bit beforehand, but we took an improv class together uh, in Minneapolis. And I think that reinforcement of communication uh, and like that creative conversation was really like what established like, oh shit, like Peter and I kind of can bounce off each other creatively like that. And uh, as it kind of kept growing and as like the local community got more involved, like I was the one I started being like, Hey, everybody, let's go hang out after one of the shows and we'll go to a bar and do whatever. And I, I, I realized I was really itching to keep that like in-person conversation alive. And everyone was scared of Peter. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> nobody wanted to like talk to him directly but they knew I was friends with him and I was like Peter's extremely chill like, like I don't know he's just this and I mean you have a you have a, a a cool guy demeanor about you Peter that people you know get nervous I think <laughs> I I have social I have social anxiety people misread that <laughs> and, yeah they they think that I'm I'm tough and I keep to myself and I have a lot of shit going for me but the opposite is very true and and I'm obnoxious so I just like don't give a shit um and so I think like then, the ends of the spectrum and it exactly, worked. exactly exactly so so then what we uh Peter was doing more television stuff I was like kind of trying to help out and then we went to uh, the multi-adult uh, baby castles event in New York um, kind of on a whim and they allowed television to play a best of beforehand um, and I think that was yeah I mean that was what solidified was just me I I had been kind of networking a little bit just because that's I'm, I'm I like meeting people and I would talk about television, but it was, I wasn't able to talk about television as if it was like my thing. I'd have to be like, oh, I submit to this thing that I'm really about and helping, but also like, I'm not involved. So I just asked Peter, hey, could I just be involved in the thing so I can say that's like something that I, I work on. And so um, my role then was uh, like marketing, I guess was the, the initial entry point of just being Kind of a point of conversation and um ultimately somebody you know for peter and i to to kind of bounce back and forth off of creatively so we would just like meet up and chat and ideate and uh very sweet um so there's this history of independent animators collaborating together to make films there's Annie Jam, which is that old Canadian project, Mark Newland, and like that really is like a decades long history of making films with independent animators. And, you know, the late night work club also comes to mind, you know, and I think the key things here are that curation are, are big parts of the process or they're already working within uh, collectives. And what strikes me as unique about television is the open call 
I'm just wondering how you guys feel like you fit into this history. Um, and if you can talk a little bit about just the decision to be, to have this open call. Yeah, 100%. I, um, I, it's the project started from a learning aspect, you know, like a, a learning point of view. Like I needed to, I needed to be able to practice. I need to give myself the space to be able to learn and um, kind of fit my world inside of other, like a big, a broader context, I guess. Right. And, um, so as far as the history goes, I, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, it was, it just made sense because of that, like, because of what my needs were. Um, but I also was very aware of late night, late night work club. There was, there was a moment where I was invited, uh, to a late night work club, uh, event that was out in LA. And I, I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to want, I never want to move to LA to just to be able to experience cool stuff like this. You know, my, my family's here in Minneapolis and I, I might move around eventually, but uh, you know, no matter where I am, I, I still want to experience interesting stuff. So late night work club uh, was really cool, but it seemed like a club. It seemed like, and it, and it kind of was, um, or is if it's still <laughs> happening. Um, but, uh, there was, there was another thing. I, I, I listened to Harmontown all the time. Um, and I was aware of channel 101, uh, which is an event out in LA where people, create five minute uh, short episodes of things. And then the audience would vote on what got a second episode or a third episode or a fourth episode. Cool. And uh, so that concept and, and like Tim and Eric came from that, the Lonely mm -hmm. Island came from that, a bunch of people kind of, kind of practiced that um, before they blew up in the mainstream. Um, and so that was like, I was like, I want a, I want a community like that. I want something that I can, I, you know, people just kind of can interact with in some way, definitely 100% like needed to be just free and open. A lot of people, when I sent out the open call originally hadn't animated and I was just like, yeah, you haven't animated. Let's try something like, Right. Who cares? That's awesome. And I feel like completely goes into our next question, which is, um, I mean, one of the things I love so much about television is kind of like this low stakes of having it be an open call. Um, just because I feel like it really encourages like the creative process side of animation rather than like getting super caught up on the technical side of things and like making something that is like, you know, quote unquote good. Um, and I was just wondering if you guys could talk about this idea of like, you know, quote unquote good versus quote unquote bad animation and like what that means and how that fits into Halivision. I want to, I can talk yeah. about this one a little bit. Um, 
for me, uh, it's like less about good and less even about quality and more so just about uh, finished and <laughs> hitting the submission button. Like it's either in the episode or it's not. It's either you've either sent it away or you haven't. And television is supposed to be that kind of like push of like, just like, just send it send it in. Like, don't worry about it. Like we, we're, we're trying to make it as clear and, and apparent that like the platform that you're entering into is not a judgmental space of quality. It's, it's purely just like, um, entertaining entertainment and and uh creativity i don't know um the the enforcement of cutting corners is so important because animation is i mean there's giant animation houses of like hundreds of people working on a piece together and if you're just an independent animator um you shouldn't be so hard on yourself that you're struggling to get that out the door uh i think in our last episode there was like one or two pieces that were clearly like, there were barely some storyboards even considering finished, but this piece got submitted. And I'm like, okay, that, like that is, that's that's great to see it. Awesome. And yeah, it's, it's the idea of like hitting render and just sending the thing along because that's something that really builds momentum and then allows you to make the next thing and motivates you to make the next thing. And, and it's something that's been an important motivator for me is just the the feeling of finishing. I think every time I finish a Halivision submission, um, it's like very much like a body high and something that something that I like to chase. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. And one of the things, or one of the other things, I guess I love so much about submitting is um, I feel like I've learned so much just in trying to you know cut corners and do things super quickly that I never would have done otherwise, just because, you know, it is super low stakes, it's super fun. There's that deadline, which is like, you know, still a part of it though. And I feel like, at least like in my own personal practice, I've learned a lot more from trying to cut those corners and, you know, make new methods of animating a lot faster uh, than I would have otherwise if I was, you know, actually spending weeks or like months on something. Totally. Being a finisher is also definitely like a skill you can hone, like call, mm -hmm. oh, knowing totally. when to call something and wrap it up. And, you know, the, the whole premise of television and encouraging people to just submit things as quickly as possible, I think is really helps this technique, really helps get it together. Yeah, it's the I, same. It's the same process of improv. It's like it's what you learn in improv class. Uh, which is to name something and stick to that. <laughs> and uh, then once you feel like it's run its course, the idea of it has run its course, you edit the scene and you call it. You say, "That's this is done. Enough of this. <laughs> We're done. But it's nice to be able to, you know, intuit when that happens and, yeah. and practice it. I'm curious about how or if the show has changed at all since its inception? Like what are some of the main ways, whether it's in like the administrative side of things or in, in the content, what are some of the main ways in which it's different now versus when it all started out? Yes, both. Um, <laughs> so it started out as television, television animation show. 
and uh, television, television animation show, I guess, is like a free for all. Um, and I think so. Then Michael came on after after episode seven, and and we did episode eight, and then you know through conversations, it's it's great having a person engaged in the in the project uh, project. I've had some other people engaged in the project as I work through it. Um, but uh, to have like that conversational aspect of like, what, you know, what, how should this thing be structured? Um, and what should we be doing half the time uh, really helps because as soon as Michael came on, we started, I kind of started talking about like, I'm really frustrated with the openness uh, of the project whoever is submitting says oh I could submit anything I could submit something that I made two years ago and that's not necessarily what I'm looking for with the project right it was it was okay um it's always kind of okay but it's also not at the same <laughs> time it's it's just like a matter of I think it's fair I think it's more fair if you make something deliberately for the episode. And like Michael said earlier, you could submit or not. Like, <laughs> you know, this 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 show could be five minutes and I would still screen it. Like, it'd, it'd be like three people's work. And that was Janice's secret. We were like, if nobody <laughs> picks up a scene, Peter is just gonna be you and I doing yeah. one scene each, maybe two, and it's not gonna make any sense, but that's fine. And then little did we know we got rid of every scene within hours, which was nuts. But I think a yeah. big jump from the animation show to network too was, yeah, like, like Peter saying, the themes kind of allowed people to, I think, hone in. I think we were getting a lot, uh, every now and then we'd get like a submission where um, maybe people didn't know what they were, they wanted to animate, but they want to animate something. And, and then I think they'd kind of burn themselves out by being too ambiguous or too open-ended uh, so I think the themes really helped people like engage with it more, making it a little more enticing. Um, so Michael, you mentioned Janice's secret, um, and we definitely have a couple questions about that episode. Um, nice. For anyone listening who isn't familiar, would you guys mind like briefly explaining what Janice's secret was and like how it was different from your other episodes? There's there's <laughs> so much attached to it so um when we started talking me and michael uh we wrote a list of a bunch of themes and one of the themes was like okay what if we what if we had an episode of television that was a single story and what would that be um i think i think we just kind of picked a lifetime original movie or a hallmark original movie kind of as a structure because that that those movies are so formulaic the hallmark ones at least um that uh we thought that that we could write something within that framework of or formula and um that was that was the idea and we put it off for so long <laughs> and then about a month before I wanted, or we both wanted to um, announce the open call, we were just like, okay, 
we gotta we gotta just write this thing <laughs> and make this happen and um so yeah august 1st i think we set a a deadline of like september 1st or something to release the open call and um that so within that month we met a couple of times a week probably once a week maybe but we're working on it throughout um wrote it in about two weeks and then and then recorded vo designed some characters and then released all of that stuff as as kind of a package of of assets that people could use i mean i yeah when it was going on i couldn't even imagine how much you were having to organize between audio and you know everyone's submissions you have like the the order of everything and then it's just it seemed ridiculous um and so i i don't know like was that too much do you think you're ever going to do it again or was it did it all kind of pay off and were you uh do you think you're gonna do something like that again in the future yeah it was kind of too much yeah. at least too much, <laughs> too much too much for a month but um but it was very it, it was relatively simple um all of those scenes we didn't write one story we just wrote scenes that we thought would be interesting okay um as as kind of like animated pieces i think it was 40 or 50 scenes or something yeah. like that and we really hope that like the scenes could live on their own yeah and we're like their own building blocks that if somebody wasn't able to submit that was okay but i am really glad we got everybody's submissions because slowly it became like but every scene's important because how will they know rebecca's <laughs> background backstory yeah if, how will they know the chet francesco love triangle if, if that's not in there <laughs> But, but so, so everyone did end up submitting. Yeah, it's oh, ridiculous. It was it definitely exceeded our expectations the entire time. That's just wild. And so how many people was it total, do you know? About 60, 65. Some people did backgrounds and, and added little things here and there. And so that oh, man. that has to be the biggest show you've done, right? Episode eight might might be, but like because everyone thought it was the last episode, which yeah. is my amazing marketing scheme to get <laughs> a bunch of people to submit. I was like, we, well, we'll just tell people it's the last one because technically it is, but we're just gonna yeah. change the name and the on the next one. Okay, yeah, real quick, I have to I have to go back to that and just I remember stuff happening with a a B and B. Well, Spring Cottage Bed and Breakfast. Yeah, I, can we just like maybe hear a little bit about that because I was so lost. I was so confused, but I loved every minute of it. Well, the hell as, as soon as I, yeah, as soon as I gave Michael the keys to Hellavision, um, he, he said, hey, there's this bed and breakfast in, in England that wants to buy Hellavision. Peter was struggling to like afford basic needs like iced yeah. coffee. And I was like, Let's finally add some money to this yeah. to this pipeline. Let's make a little dough from all the hard work. It's uh, and then yeah. we sold Hellavision forever, and that was, you know, arguably embarrassing. So luckily, Bitcoin did really well. We sh maybe we should have held on to it because we would have made way more money. But uh, they were they were down to buy it back. Sell it back, and we were yeah we it. yeah we we bought it back with our we bitcoin. bought it back we with had our one bitcoin one bitcoin 
<laughs> oh boy. But we have it back now, so it's all good. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Do you guys have like a favorite episode that you've done? This Whoa. everything leading up to that sounds pretty insane. But any any standouts? Damn, that's tough. That's like picking which child is. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to just be like Janice's a secret because it was like such a a feat. I like I think I like blessed a lot because it's short and pretty sweet and uh maybe more digestible than like the 30 40 minute episodes for a while my favorite episode was episode three even though I don't I don't think Michael likes that episode but I think I think that episode kind of had a I clear arc I guess I I don't I don't really know what that arc would be but it just feels like a complete thing to me and then um Janice's secret I every single time I I saw a new scene come through um in the air table I just I I kind of I describe it as I felt love <laughs> like weird like weird love like just actual love like what <laughs> so strange yeah i i felt a lot of pride while we were making that one man and those posters that was insane that was the craziest part to me like of course we're telling people hey submit to this thing but then you're getting people who didn't submit an animation but decided to read the whole script see That's the like characters the art. build a story <laughs> from their mind and then draw something before seeing the short, like that didn't connect with me. The fact that somebody was, cause I've, you know, you have friends that like will send you a script and you're like, you genuinely want to read it. And I won't even read those. Cause I'm just like, I'll forget. <laughs> but people will like say like, yes, I'll read this and I'll draw something. That was incredible. That was so cool. Um, So Janice's Secret is obviously different in that, you know, you guys did a script and that it was obviously all ordered, um, but for your other episodes, how much do you think about the final product versus the individual submissions? Uh, so, like, Peter, I know you kind of mentioned episode oh, three yeah. had a clear arc to it. Um, so, like, when you're creating the episodes, how much do you think of them as a whole versus the individual submissions? Yeah, I think it depends on who's doing the order of the episode. Um, Michael definitely has a different perspective on that. I, I I like putting a lot of the themes like next to each other. I like keeping the vibe consistent, but then like moving along with it. Uh, it reminds me of like making playlists in like middle school and high school. Big big iPod fan, loved making playlists and, and mixed CDs. Um, so for this last episode, like we got such a variety of interpretations of bootleg. I guess, I, I think the last couple that I've done, I usually lean towards making it like really engaging right away. Cause it's like, okay, you're here for this thing. Are you gonna sit and get relaxed? Or are you gonna watch five minutes and then walk away and turn it off? So I try to keep it engaging. And then, I mean, naturally we just get weird shit. Like we just get like kind of challenging work. That's like, you know, it's not the thing you're gonna like choose to click on and watch for a long period of time. So I like to like keep it really nice and fun 
and then really good and then slowly descend into these more challenging things. And like, yeah, the last couple of times, I think I just let it descend so that it gets to a point of you're like, you like forget how long you've been watching this kind of work. And then hopefully I can come back up and give a little bit of like palate cleansing, like reprieve of like, oh, thank God I'm like coming out of this weird hole that I wasn't expecting to, to, to spiral down. Um, so I like to trick the, the audience before it's too late when they realize they've been <laughs> fe- spending like eight minutes watching like very chaotic shit. Uh, and then the, the credits roll and everybody has a good time. That's exactly yeah. what happens though. You don't realize, you know, you've been sitting there for 30 minutes watching this until you have. And <laughs> <laughs> until you're exhausted by the end and you don't know why. Uh, and I think when to touch on like your individual submission versus the whole of the episode, I'll go on a tangent for a second and say like, you know, I, Peter watches everything as it comes in and I don't, I like to watch everything once everything's there so that I, I'm not like rewatching things, remembering things, taking a long time to process and digest. I kind of like to just like get it all as I'm like feeling it. Um, but with this next episode, which we're not gonna talk too much about the theme, but the theme will lean towards this idea of how does the submission, individual submission interact with the whole of the episode. And all I'll say is like, it it will have to. That'll, that is like the point of this next episode is like, it's going to be enforced that what you submit <laughs> interacts with the theme of the episode and it's going to be very simple and clear and easy to understand when can we expect to to hear about about it probably august sick lovely just because we want to we usually take a just take a break and chill between episodes (laughs) well deserved i think thank you so, I mean, uh, you definitely just touched on it, but other than that next episode, do you have any uh, plans for the future for anything? I want to I get workshops going again. Workshops were sick. Uh, I don't know if it's like worth, I don't know if it's worth not talking about, but I have an idea to do, um, to for Peter and I to like refine our workshops here, which we've done like, what, three or four of? Yeah. Um, and kind of refine that process until we feel like we have something very kind of worth, I think we already, we know we have like a foundation of something worthwhile, but I'd like to get that process down so that we could technically like tour or at least reach out to um, friends and and artists and pe- like designers at studios of different, in different states and just like go around and, uh, you know, it's like an improv themed or an improv based workshop that is teaching improv skills that can be used in in ideation and that i think is such a vast concept and hopefully we're coming in we would come in with a refreshing take uh but it's an opportunity to like make television like even like more engaging and more of like an in-person um thing so that's something i'm like looking forward to once once in person becomes even more comfortable and clear and obvious that it's that it's chill i think that's that's what i'd like to do more of i guess to close us out um 
what was the process like for you guys of going completely remote right now during during the pandemic? Do you did you see an increase in submissions or any sort of change in the content that was being submitted? I think definitely broader, yeah. Uh, just like a, a, a broader reach. Um, definitely a lot of people that I don't know personally, which is great. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know about quantity. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how many more people are submitting, but it's definitely just like with each episode, it's a different kind of group of people. And that's, that's kind of fun to see. Yeah. I, I feel like honestly, like quality and quantity has been about the same, which is interesting. So it's like something about the framework just has like a natural filter on it, you know, or, or I guess a structure of that, that attracts just the amount of people like we've never had an episode where like oh shit this is too long or oh we 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 don't have i don't know we don't have an episode here or like a too short you know um i think with working remote it's obviously you know we had to start doing the live streams and that's just given us an opportunity to do really dumb shit <laughs> like my friend dan taking a bath and going after and not coming up that shit it's just like <laughs> did not need to happen and wouldn't have happened outside of this context. But yeah, online, honestly, you know, thankfully gave us an opportunity to, to view Hellvision from a different angle. I think it made our online engagement overall like more significant. I'm surprised that we've, you know, pleasantly surprised that we've surpassed 3K on Instagram and hopefully we can just kind of keep in touch and and just keep the the network component alive. Discord is cool. People actually talk on Discord sometimes. That's fun. So yeah, it's just it's just given us more avenues to expand expand the web of the network. Awesome. Amazing. Okay, well, yeah, thank you guys so much for all of this and for taking the time out of your day to meet with us. Yeah, um, it was lovely, really, just to get to see to see the faces is always so new for us and exciting. Incredible. Well, super nice meeting you guys. Um, yeah. Hopefully, if you know, if Peter and I decide to do a special one-off interview again, <laughs> would love to talk to you guys some more because I want to know more about uh, like what you guys are doing and and um, excited to see kind of like how this process takes off and and where you guys go with it. Excited to see the the malt conversation as well. So. Oh yeah. yeah that's no, we're be super fun. excited for that. That's yeah, this is tomorrow night, like exactly 24 hours from now. Oh, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, we'll stay in touch. Much love. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you so Great. much. No, thank Thanks you, guys. All, All right. right. Catch you later. Have a good night. Listening to the Soul's Ether of Ambivalent Light by Adriel SFX. Adriel is a music producer, illustrator, and animation enthusiast who lives in the Dominican Republic. His inspirations include Justice, Calm Trues, video game soundtracks, 80s movies, and anime. He'll often take rhythms and beats derived from Dominican culture and add glitch elements to create a futuristic sound that remains contemporary in its elements and composition. To check out his work, you can follow him on his Instagram at adriel.sfx. That's A-D-R-I-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-L-L-E-
iel.sfx. And we're back to kick off our next interview. Uh, would you two over at Malt Adult mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is exactly that you do? Um, so we're just some artists out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm, <laughs> my, my name is Sarah. Um, I'm an illustrator, animator, person thing, and I, um, uh, what is it? I graduated from Columbus College of Art and Design in 2014 uh, with an animation degree. And then um, a couple of years after that, started this multi-adult thing, which I'll talk about after you introduce yourself. Um, yeah, I'm Ian Valentine, uh, artist and animator, working with uh, Sunshine Mall and Multidult as well. Mm -hmm. so. Can you talk um, a little bit about Sunshine Mall too? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you want to do that? You want to do that before? So we get that out of the way. Bundle it in this. Just give us a little, little brief introduction into the to the studio. Um, we started an animation LLC a couple of years after um, I quit my full time job as a motion graphics illustrator person in town. And um, it's just a little tiny two person animation LLC called Sunshine Mall. And uh, we just get, you know, random contract animation gigs and finish up. Uh, it's basically like a better freelance gig because we can work together and split those hours and kind of bounce stuff off of each other instead of just work into the, the void alone. Um, so that's what we do for our full time kind of day-to-day -day and uh, between personal art projects. And then other thing we do is this multi-adult animation night, which is a curated animated animation screening series uh, featuring contemporary animation that's pushing the medium. What do you think, Ian? Uh, yeah, it's a screening that was started by Sarah um, and I kind of jumped on about a year, two, one year and a half ago. But uh, 2016, I was just kind of working in commercial animation stuff and uh, started to go to animation festivals, uh, specifically this one in New York, New York called Animation Block Party. And uh, like we made a, a short together as a studio, essentially as a business card, you know, to say, look, we make cool animation, check it out. Um, and it got into screening. And so we, we went as a kind of smaller group of coworkers. And I had never really been to a proper animation festival. I, I went to another thing called Midsummer Night's Tunes um, in New York a couple of years before that. Or I think it was the same year, who knows. Um, but basically I started to like, you know, wrap my brain around these animation festivals. Uh, once a glass and really got my brain shattered, like first year of glass. Um, and I basically just kept coming home from them and being upset that I couldn't get my friends together in the room to watch all the things that I saw. Um, you know, it wasn't the same to like send a person a link. Or like, please watch this and feel something and talk to me no, about of course. it. I mean, it's so much better actually being in the room with all of the people you love sharing the experience all together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So wanted to really bring that type of feeling that I was getting in New York or in California and uh, bring it to home to the art galleries in Columbus. Um, the biggest part too, I feel, was just a weird um, equal parts frustration and in, like infatuation with uh, this kind of independent animation community. Um, so, you know, infatuated and in love with it because I was like, wow, where, where have you been all my whole life? 
um, independent animation and like all this really great work that was, you know, emotionally, emotionally challenging and really beautiful or whatever. Um, but then the frustration came from feeling like I went through four years of animation schooling and didn't really get any proper grasp of it, like even just a little bit. And um, I think we can both relate. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just this feeling of kind of like, wait, you know, I'm looking at a ton of student work. I, I was a student. Like, I didn't feel like I related too much to it then. Um, and basically, since I was still in Columbus, uh, which is, you know, where I went to school, I figured, oh, great, there's a bunch of animation students down the street, and there's a bunch of fine arts kids, you know, throughout the city who go to gallery shows all the time. They're never in the same room, but I wish they were, um, specifically for an event like this, where we can show off, uh, you know, a little bit more impressive animation instead of just kind of the Disney thing, or excuse me, keyword thing that <laughs> anybody else kind of thinks of and comes to mind as soon as you say animation. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I guess going all the way back, how did you two meet? Ken? Like, I mean, we were in the... Yeah, 8 a.m. 8 o'clock Monday. Monday, first first minute of school as like, college students. But oh, I guess, was freshman year. Yeah. Yeah, 2010. Okay. Sweet, fall. fresh, freshman baby. <laughs> um, and we were like, uh, in the dorms, we were like, two Nate like there was one dorm between ours so we were pretty close but we didn't really start talking until one painting class I guess oh yeah there's a painting class where um we both got there too early and he was coming down the stairs and I was going up but I was like oh I gotta hang out with you outside instead it was nice yeah that was that was the friendship starter and then the best part was um at that time uh the college gave you like a year to essentially like pick your major and everybody had to do the same kind of thing freshman year foundation course sort of yeah like a foundation that's so great we're just hanging out having all our art history classes together all of that wait right. so ian when did you get involved with malt adult and like what was that um whole that's a fun story i like it well, i think it's worth saying yeah after school um, I just kind of start, instead of, you know, moving to Los Angeles or whatever, I got a job in town with this motion graphics studio. So I was like, cool, I got a job. I'm staying here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then he goes and gets a master's degree while I'm hanging out. Yeah. And um, I guess I'd never really thought of animation as something that I would see myself doing necessarily. Like Sarah was the only animator coming to anything that any fine arts people were doing like we would have shows and basically mm. she was like, like she was consistent what was so fun about it she was consistent and nobody understood why from like the fine arts department <laughs> and you were the best like, it was Aww. great it was really lovely but um so when i was getting ready to go to china which was they just dropped it on me too like i only had maybe about like I only had about like four months to basically change my entire life, like of what I was planning to do after after graduation. Before I left, something kind of just clicked. I, was, I asked for a, a 15 minute flash animation course that Sarah was able to give because you had just started at S77 at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, animation is the best. Everyone should animate, um, you know, 
here's my crash course for you, Ian. And then by the time he came back, he had more like weird little animation loops than, you know, hardly anybody I had graduated with. <laughs> you know, after a year, I was like, whoa, you, yeah, you've been at it. Yeah, he came back and I was like, oh my God, I have um, so much animation work to do. Uh, can you help me? Because you've actually technically done more animation stuff than like anybody else they can get a hold of right now. I'll pay you. <laughs> and then that kind of evolved into our, our LLC. Um, but at the same time, you know, he keeps coming back to visit and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to tell you, specifically you, that I've been doing this multi-adult animation night curation thing. Um, and I remember you kind of making sure you're like, you're not spending too much time on it. Are you? Because like, don't you know, like your whole art practice around this thing. And I was like, no, 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 don't worry. Um, and I kept it going until you came back. And so you could you can come party with us. It was great. Yeah. Um, I guess on that then, can you talk a little bit about the work that you like making independently outside of Maltadult? Oh, I'm a big sketchbook freak. Uh, I've, I was kind of slow on it for a while, but lately I've been getting back into it. I like to just like collage things inside of it and lots of do lots of drawings. Um, but mostly just kind of slowly working away at uh, chipping away at short films kind of stuff I've been liking to do. Um, mostly just 2D, 2D, you know, Adobe Animate stuff. Unfortunately. Um, I say only say unfortunately because I feel like it's been so many. I have so many, so many Animate files. Um, and then we bought Dragon Frame uh, during quarantine. So we started getting into that, which is good. And I have a couple things planned for that. But what do you think, Ian? What are you doing? What am I doing? That's mm -hmm. a great question. What am I doing? Really, at the moment, it's actually since since COVID started, it's been pretty awful creative. Like I'm just gonna say that. But um, so so generally, subject wise, my stuff um, has been kind of back to just like how how does it feel to be like existing today? I guess lots of stickers, lots of just little loops um, of general, just like. Uh, cowboys, snakes, and uh, demons pouring drinks on on things. But in three D, on three D now. In Blender, doing this a lot time. of Blender. Oh, um, yeah, which is, is like a new thing. Yeah, Blender was Blender was ever since I came back. Uh, somebody told me about a free three D thing, and I tried to pick it up in two point seven nine, and like that's where I learned. Which I don't know. Yeah. The new one's a lot easier. To yeah, play. two point eight, um, super easy. Insanely, insanely easier. I need to get and, it. And like the UV stuff and everything else in it is just like very much more like um, approachable than what it was before. I mean, it's not like intuitive necessarily, but it's it's like fun to figure out. No, I but I tried it like a year or two ago, even I think, and I really wasn't into it. And I work in Cinema 4D now, but I switched back to Blender for some like game design stuff. And working with the latest release, I was like, this is not the same program. <laughs> you know, it, it's wild and out how much of a change happened, especially like yeah. that 2.7 to 2.8, like that 2.8 thing is just, it, it's crazy. I and mean, the grease pencil inside of there too. Um, yeah, which I tried. I which is try so... So it's goofy, but it's so fun. Like once you get the basics of it down and like the Ian Worthington um, tutorial on YouTube. Yeah, Worthy Kids. Yeah, Worthy Kids. Real main tutorial on it. Yeah. 
that's a great intro to it. But yeah, after that, it's super fun. And I think it's worth saying you've been doing a little bit of sculpting, uh, VR. Yeah, I'm doing VR sculpting Watch too. Watch out, world. Let's try that out. Bad. And everything, but I want to get back into it someday a little bit more seriously because I, I feel like all my favorite um, independent animators I follow are <laughs> 3D artists. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what's it like having two people working on this project, being multi-adult? Um. Ian has told me very often I'm doing too much and I need to uh, give him more, like have him help me out more. And so I've been slowly trying to, you know, push off things because I'm really doing a lot of um, just emailing mostly, and um, you know spreadsheets and all that type of jazz um mostly though especially this last time a lot of technical stuff it's really cool to see her as a curator in spaces because again i think what drew me to even be a part of multi-adult in general is the way that she kind of lays everything out and like i personally like would not want to try and add too much to that i mean i i definitely need some someone to like bounce ideas off of and all that jazz stuff. Yeah. Don't but, don't diss that, that's important. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, as a curator, Sarah's been doing, like, especially this is coming up on 21. Mm -hmm. And it's been like, pretty, pretty great to be a part of in that sense, but it's more of just like, my role generally has been like, how do I make it so she can focus on the parts that make the community better and the event itself. And so. Um, and I think one thing important to mention is I'll always kind of, uh, the playlist order is very important to me yeah, as far as you... uh, like the things that flow into each other and kind of uh, what okay. starts the show, what ends it. And I always try and be like, okay, Ian, here's, here's what I'm thinking for the stack of how these will line up and like flow into each other. What do you think? Or we'll just like look at the mess of films. We're gonna be like, how do we order these? And I feel like you really helped that, <laughs> made that a lot better handful of times because we always do two, um, two like forty minutes or so chunks. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's really important to find like good balance in both of those so nobody gets too bored, or or too like you know overloaded with one emotion. Right. Uh, so that's been I think that's been really helpful for me to have someone else to kind of talk through those with. I'm curious about like, as we're talking about the process of curating the screenings, how do you decide like what starts and what closes the show? Like what bookends everything? And do you screen all of the films that come in? Do you have to make decisions about what to cut? What do those look like? Uh, well, I think the biggest part is we're not like a call for entries kind of thing. Which, you know, don't get me wrong, a lot of people, you know, don't, get that picture because it's, I mean, it's such a weird thing to do in the first place of saying, I'm going to curate an animation screening. There's not a lot of things that aren't a call for entries um, in the community. So, you know, we look at everything anybody sends us, we get films in, always try and watch them down and see if they're going to fit or not. Uh, the biggest thing is we don't want to put anything in uh, that's going to, you know, make anybody feel like it, uh, it changes the mood or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, just basically always type, always trying to curate around a type of mood or like feeling. And I don't want anything to feel out of place whenever we're curating. Yeah. So that's the biggest part about 
far as from point A to point B, you know, trying not to lose any. Yeah, the continuity <laughs> to the uh, animators kind of things. Like usually, usually when it's put together, there's an idea of what kind of feeling everything needs to get across and like what's the overall <laughs> essence of the um, screening. But the way we try to uh, cycle them together, I guess, usually ends up trying to uh, trying to be a little more lighthearted in the beginning and then a little darker as it goes toward <laughs> the end. Um, try to never hit anybody too hard with some of these heavier ones, uh, but we definitely want to like lead up to the heavier ones in a way that's rewarding instead of um, kind of hit you in the face. Right. Uh, and then we always try, if we can, we come back down from that. Uh, really just trying to bring it to those people who are starting to figure it out so they can get their foot in the door. Um, and it's just, I just want it to be an accessible thing. Like we're never trying to charge for it. Uh, trying not never to charge people for the zines either. Just trying to get it to the people as easy as we can uh, because it does feel so uh, behind the door, I mm -hmm. think, for a lot of people starting out. Um, yeah, trying to not make it seem so far away, like trying to make it a little bit more tangible for people, especially in our uh, local community. Yeah, like it, and I mean, for anybody, I think it, as a student, there's a part where it's like the only way you can get to see some of these things is if you hope it's, uh, I mean, um, one of the cities that has something like New York, LA or um, Ottawa, if you're over here. Mm. And and that can, that can be like pretty insurmountable, especially for some kids in the Midwest. You know, I always try to have a local animator or an Ohio-based animator. We don't have too many of them, uh, but we have them. And I always try and show um, specifically work that either was made in the last year or put online in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of one of the only rules I try to give myself because otherwise it's like, oh, the options are endless kind of thing if I, you know, go in the back catalogs of anything. Um, but they do all kind of end up feeling like a little... A time capsule pocket of you know the types of festivals that have been happening over the past year or just the type of stuff that's been thrown online in the past year but. on this topic of um like everything kind of going remote and switching to online screenings what were the malt adult screenings like pre-pandemic um and like how has stuff shifted for you guys in the past year sweaty yeah, they're very sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> Remember sweaty. <Yeah>, sweaty. <laughs> um, but really, it was just uh, so the biggest thing is we did it at this local gallery down the street from the city called Skylab uh, that we had some friends living at and hosting shows out of, um, and we went while we were students. Um, but it's on the fifth floor of a building downtown, and then it's really tight packed. You know, if you're gonna have a screening because usually why you go there is to see you know more intimate art show but in our case we would bring a projector our friend Jordan there would have a sound bar um that we would just put on the ground and hook up to my laptop hook the laptop up to the projector and then we would just have <laughs> a projector playing um all their you know collected chairs from over the years at the studio would kind of just be spread out um, and people would be sitting on the floor stuff like that. Uh, we At first we did it on their projector screen, but eventually we're like, no, nah, just put it on the wall. This is more comfortable to sit more people. Um, and then one of the last ones we did there, we even started doing uh, two screens at the same time, we got a splitter. So that way we could fit in even more people in there. And then we would also put 
whatever zines we made for it to spread those out on the snack and drink table. So everything was kind of up for grabs, uh, you know, just come in when you can. And um, it's just so fun to have that gallery setting, which feels like a nightmare right now, you know, in the past year for COVID, but um, <laughs> like some of our sweatiest times in there, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but to have that intimate gallery setting and instead of having, you know, all the small talk in little pockets in the room, it's actually everybody is staring at the thing for 30, 40 minutes and then taking a break and then doing it again. And it was such a nice, different kind of thing to put in the art gallery, which was really fun. Yeah, and and having it in that space, in, in Columbus at least, it brought a different kind of community to witness this stuff, which was really cool. And I think, and, and it drummed up a lot of attention for just animation in general. Like I think, which was kind of the most fun thing about it is these, because uh, Skylab picked up some pretty good like DIY people in general. And so having just that kind of energy of like all these kids being like, oh, hey, I can make things move too. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting the like animation, kind of shy animation students who didn't really go to many uh, things around town that were too um, too rowdy. And then right. you know, asking them to come to the same room as the... Uh, you know, more um, well-versed art gallery going um, kids in town, which is really so fun to see how that dynamic worked. And to see, you know, to be able to ask everybody what their favorite one was afterward and things like that, was just really nice. Like their favorite film from the, from the screening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or one that stuck out and stuff like that. Right. Do you guys have uh, like a favorite or a particularly memorable screening? We asked this question to the to Halavision guys as well, and they slightly distraught, like picking your favorite child <laughs> is what it <laughs> felt like. But do you have one? A favorite child. A favorite child. Favorite child. Uh, well, I I was it's pretty it's hard, but it's also um, in a sense easy because we've only had a couple where guests have showed up from out of town. Um, so. After Jaron Braxton finished um, Octave, basically he had he won the award and it, um, for Sundance or something, and he was on his way back around. Yeah, and I was like, Jaron, um, I'm gonna get. Yeah, I want you to come to CCAD and talk to my class and have a screening, and we got it all worked out. Wow. Uh, you know, got him a little cash, got him to come through, and. Um, we were able to have him at all of the screenings. So we, we talked about doing them at Skylab, sure. But after a couple of them, um, you know, the school I went to and I started adjunct teach for uh, caught on and they were like, can you just do them here as well in the nice screening room? Said, yes, that'd be great. Um, so that was even better because then it's like, all right, CCAD students, if you can't walk down the street. You can walk into the room. <laughs> <laughs> on your campus um so those are really great and much more air conditioned and like giant screen you know like totally different um venue no you know no beers but or no snacks even you know but still pretty fun those were great um but he got to go to both screenings at Skylab and at CCAD and then also got to have a um retrospective even though he's so young he got to have a retrospective you know had a lot of work to show and then um, I got to have uh, my favorite local filmmaker. Uh, he was in New York for a while, Kim Granger. 
um, he got to do the interview. You know, I got to tag him into interview director on director. It was really nice. Um, he came and then we also had Joni Phillips come. And she was amazing. Oh. Uh, and you were, we were talking about this earlier, but when she showed up, it really showed the reach of what we've been doing. Um, and then also just post-grad, you know, be like, hey, here's, you know, you made this crazy weird thing that we want to be able to um, give a platform. So that was really fun. Um, and then we were talking about this earlier too, but it's a little biased to say the, the times we've gone out of the state for them, but those have been really fun. Uh, we did a show in LA for our first anniversary um, and my friend, um, friend Sean Solomon's art gallery at the time that was super fun and got to see like a lot of friends out there you know that I knew from school who'd moved out or um just from various animation networkings even just multi-adult having them all in the same room together was really cool are and there really fewer people in like out-of-state screenings or the same amount just all over I want to say the same uh oh, that's so cool the, the Chicago one was a little was was maybe not as big as the LA or New York one, but um, but that was also really fun. And like my cousin who lives there got to come and it was just all kinds of crazy. Um, the one in New York was very not COVID friendly. I haven't been to baby castles. Julian Glander kind of gave us the the tip that they would, they would maybe do something. And so we got oh. to hang out with them. And uh, we had like a, you know, a little, uh, someone like played afterward too. And at the beginning we got uh, Felipe Dupuy to do like a little weird routine that was funny, dropped a laptop in front of everyone and made everybody <laughs> like, um, but that was super fun because um, the television guys came out for that. That's when we got to meet them. Um, so we got to have, out. yeah, we got to have a little television best of beforehand. And then like we called it Hellovision Power Hour. And uh, so we got to hang out with them and then all our New York friends Again, both from when we went to college and then just through Multidult, uh, just to, you know, get a big picture with everybody and then like go hang out with everybody afterward and the night before. It was just tons of fun doing that. Yeah, and, and that's always kind of the cool part too, is just kind of meeting up with people who've heard about it or are doing stuff in these other cities. And it's worth saying, uh, after so many years of doing it, the small art gallery and CCAD, uh, the local um, independent theater asked us if we'd want to do something with them. So we got to do a anniversary show at the uh, Gateway Film Center, which is really fun. And we had friends fly out from that too, or drive out as well. And that's really fun. Um, you so. mentioned earlier that you're coming up on your 21st show. Malt Adult is about to become legal. Um, <laughs> It's like a really prolific amount of animation that you guys have shown. Um, so we were just wondering how the show has changed since it initially started in late 2016 um, versus where it's at now. Ian's helping now. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm much more organized as far as like spreadsheets and stuff like that. It feels a little less awkward how to explain it. To people, I feel a little bit more confident, especially emailing, uh, you know, maybe a distributor or something instead of just sending an email to directly to the artist. Uh, things like that have just gotten a little easier. Um, 
we started just this past time I started doing it. So just here's our featured local animator, like to Columbus, I started doing local to Ohio because there's a couple like really awesome people around the whole state. I want to make sure it can have a little piece of the pie. Mm. <laughs> That's a new one. And um, yeah, I think the zines have gotten a little bit more robust as well, which has been great. Yeah, um, were they always a part of like, were they part of Malt Adult from the very beginning? Yeah, I always wanted to give a little, um, essentially have a program that you could have in your hand, uh, similar to like if you went to some play or went to something, you know, there's always this, this sense of a program in your hand. And I've been to things where you don't get something to reference in your hand and it feels strange and I you know I hate wasting paper I feel a little bit bad about getting a hundred copies of you know things printed um but I just really like the tangible quality of like here's the thing to remember you know if you really don't want it you can recycle it but otherwise it's a little time capsule of all the stuff you know we played uh, a lot of the art from people who made stuff uh, we try to filter that in and then also just the sounding board. You know, I wanted a sounding board for people going through whatever animation meant to them, you know, whether it's, I need to ramble about this movie I just saw, um, or maybe it's, you know, I need to rant about my job that I need to quit <laughs> or something like that. You know, I wanted to always just have a spot where people could do that, that felt a little bit, you know, diff more different than just doing a Twitter rant or something. Mm -hmm. And it also feels, it's a good way to, you know, let everybody participate because it does feel a little bit, you know, I can't deny that it feels a little bit exclusive to be a, you know, curated thing. So I want to give that chance for everybody to yeah. at least put, you know, something in the zine so they can have their name still listed next to uh, all the artists we feature. And it gives them a chance to just do something low pressure just to kind of participate and like have that as a thing as well like it should be a, it should be a chance where you can interact with it and that's also what the the um gift loop set that we've got in yeah. the middle for an immersion right. so that would be something that's new since we started but who knows at the beginning mm -hmm. i love that though that's like one of my favorite parts <laughs> do you guys have any plans for the future other than um you know episode 21 um for malt adult or independently um that you could share anything about talk about well, what we were planning to do before covid hit was go to um pittsburgh chicago detroit um maybe cincinnati like we were trying to do a little bounce around um so that's something i really want to try and get back into next year yeah and um, when when things get a little bit more stable we still want to be able to do that and like kind of kind of incorporate more spots in the Midwest in general or great or screenings. Yeah. Right. And just similar to what we did in New York and LA. But just in our kind of more in our, I guess, um, kind of boat as far as like not, you know, we're not those bigger cities. So how can we right. celebrate it uh, a little differently? And but, so, go ahead. Yeah, there's that. And then we're if if everything goes right the um, anniversary is going to be held at the gateway again so that hopefully if, if if everybody sticks with their guns and does the right 
stuff with COVID, we'll, we'll be able to do that. So tentative, which, but. Which that's kind of the dream is if we could do once a year, like toward the end of the year, uh, like late November, early December, be like, hey, let's have a little get together in Ohio, in Columbus uh, about animation. So that way it's, you know, a little, a little more tangible for some people as far as, um, especially in town, obviously, uh, for traveling and stuff like that. But I'd like to have an annual celebration like that, um, that we definitely like started to think about right before COVID. Um, so we're bringing that back. And then, uh, well, we have this, we want to try to do these online, um, I should just say it into existence, but um, yeah. let's start doing MTV Cribs. Uh, Multi-V Cribs, but um, it's essentially, you know, just a chat like this, um, but it's screen sharing and it's a couple different artists just clicking through their computer, essentially. Like, I love oh, it. Yeah, I love it. So, so maybe like, you know, they're showing you their file structures or they're, you know, opening old files, show you what was going on or opening new files they're working on, stuff like that. I just really had that idea for a while. I just want to do that every now and then for people to tune in and kind of hang out with people while they click through stuff. And then um, hopefully do another show in New York soon. Well, we'd like to try to make this instead of just kind of winging it um, out of our own pockets all the time, we want to try to make it a uh, nonprofit. Yeah, we're, we're filing for nonprofit status. So very cool, which is which is a, it, it's a fun process if you ever done it in the United States. Um, yeah, very, there's a lot, lot of stuff. But I'm sure. Yeah, we, we got to have uh, proper meetings, which will be fun. Mm -hmm. And we have to prove that we have proper meetings. So, I mean, it'll, if anything, it will actually add structure to it, which is kind of cool. But Because I, I think one of our biggest roadblocks, and I kind of have a moral conundrum about it, but, uh, you know, we're trying to show international work and just work from down the street which um, we kind of run into the issue sometimes with uh, distributors, you know, who want a uh, screening fee. And then, you know, it's like, what are we supposed to say besides, well, we're just doing this for free and for fun and it's online anyway, can we have it? Like, we don't want to be rude. Um, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, really we wish we could just like give everybody something. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out, you know, what's the right move as far as like, Hey everybody, here's our budget. We're gonna split it between, you know, 12 artists, or if we're gonna, you know, really shell it out for one crazier touring piece. Um, and I think that that also brings up uh, that yeah, we're trying to show stuff that's more independently made because we don't want to run into these. Yeah, uh, we, yeah. We don't want to run into these like quasi-produced super films that um, yeah that ask for. Which is really hard because I really want to show them. And we've had some really nice, um, really nice people let us um, share some stuff that wasn't supposed to be free, mm. which yeah. is, you know, it still has that independent spirit. And I still feel like it's worth showing, but it definitely um, kind of brings up a weird conundrum that I don't know if anybody else wants it to. Yeah. But us. Um, because it is a weird thing to explain, especially to like an, uh, mm. someone overseas where there's a language barrier and say, no, I'm just doing something fun. You know, that's this, this strange event that um, 
definitely doesn't exactly fly, I guess, in the more European yeah, but like I, film I, circuit. I think also it kind of fries some brains when we're just like, oh no, there's no money involved here. We don't ask for a fee. We don't want anything. Um, it's a free event, yeah, stuff like that. And any any money we do get, we want to just give to the people who actually make work. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, if we get a nonprofit status, we can kind of have that conversation a little easier right. and have a bit more fluidity as far as helping people out mm -hmm. instead of just appreciate instead of just you know um, giving them a platform and trying to showcase their stuff. And you know, biggest thing is trying to show it to people who wouldn't have seen it otherwise. We try and explain. Um, like for, my my favorite example is Nikki Lindroth von Barr had the burden, which made me cry. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and I was like, this is a Swiss film, but it's the most like Midwest feeling that I think anyone over here has felt. And so I just was obsessed with the idea of trying to show it to um, you know my friends and peers over in Ohio because it was just you know it felt like it was such a universal feeling, um, even though it's you know in a different language and from somewhere far away. It felt, you know, very human to watch something like that. I think it's, that's what makes it kind of hard to, you know, put that up against, you know, more kind of sillier, crasser things right. on YouTube. I guess to close us out, um, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to organize their own screenings? Yes. <laughs> um biggest advice maybe you know do keep a spreadsheet i wish i would have tried that when i was a little um younger um even if that even if that spreadsheet's just like a piece of paper where you're like you have you know a checkbox of wants and needs um i think if uh if you're just honest with your artists that helps a lot um you know try and be blunt about it if it is something it's more um loose instead of more formal uh and probably honestly try to do something looser before you try to do something more like too structured i would say yeah and i think like generally the community is so nice like people people who you reach out to are just kind of happy to hear that somebody's pumped about their work and i mean i don't think we've run into anybody who's been like you're like get out of my face or anything like that like it's because it is I think it's it's just kind of a buzzing thing to get an email from somebody being like I love what you do and I want to I want to show other people yeah I think I think for anybody who's trying to start out like don't don't be afraid of names that you think are big because it's just like it's a human who spent a lot of time on something and they care about it and they care if people are happy to see it you know yeah <laughs> right i think we need to get that with straight ahead too just oh my God, especially completely. with with this particular community of independent animators people are just excited to show their work and talk about it and like that's such a joy for everyone involved i think for us for sure yeah it's such a fun community and like i i don't know every time we reach out to someone else i'm just even more excited to, it feels like making new friends every time. Like, yeah. Because it is. I genuinely think we're at, we're on this like, uh, you know, earlier cusp of what maybe like independent comics is. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Now, like there's just, I mean, there's such a huge community there already and it's been there for a long time. Uh, It's just so much easier to kind of grasp and grapple with now that we're, you know, of the internet age, Um, you know, there's a a community there uh, that maybe you're looking for or someone else is definitely looking for. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful note to to close on. Yeah, Sarah, Ian, thank you both so much for taking the time to join us today. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget that our next episode, which will also be a little different, comes out next Monday. See you next week on On Straight Straight Ahead. Ahead!